For me, it's 8.31 p.m. on May the 12th, 2022. But for you, it's another episode of The Media Files, a podcast brought to you by RPGera.com. The Media Files is an all-purpose pop culture review to help you get through those boring water cooler conversations. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me in my ever-evolving second chair is the man who I promised would be here. Here he is. We're back. Sean, welcome back to The Media Files. Woo! What's up, baby? You know, it's not it's not often that I have you on two episodes that are so close to each other like this. Yeah, I said I had them back to back. Well, the the ghost of Stanley has blessed us with a lot of uh, Marvel properties to talk about, and that's why you're here, man. Yeah, man, we bang these two out, and then I, you won't hear from me for another like you know four or five months, right? Well, I don't know, man. We got a lot of other stuff. We got Miss Marvel coming out. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll probably have Lindsay do Miss Marvel with me because that was a that's a comic book series that she's actually read and she's she's pretty well versed on like the miss marvel lore um but yeah thor Ra- not thor ragnarok thor love and thunder L- trailer looks good excited yeah. for that one that's in what july uh, pff, i don't know <laughs> we, we didn't come very prepared for this do we <laughs> yeah, yeah i didn't know we were gonna be talking about thor this is quality trailer content. Looks great that's trailer trailer looks great we do have a lot of good summer stuff coming out a lot of good stuff i saw to talk about. i saw the trailer i went and saw dr strange and the multiverse of madness in uh-huh. IMAX, the oh, Thor: nice. Love and Thunder trailer in IMAX sold it for me that I have to go see it in IMAX as well. Oh yeah, glorious! I, you know what? I'm a I'm an IMAX convert. I I I think I was a naysayer to IMAX for many years, but my local theater has a good IMAX IMAX cinema in it. And well, you know, when we was kids. When we was kids, we go down there to the uh, the Luxor, right? Oh, and they well, they had, had the, the they had the they dome. had that crazy IMAX dome in there. And it was you the know, dome. It just, it just ruined it for everybody. But now it's just a straight flat screen and no it's glasses. I love it. But I gotta—that's gotta say, that's my old man for the day. There you go. I, I gotta say the IMAX theater here is a fantastic theater. We have a oh, really phenomenal. really good one here. And when and whenever it's a movie like that, and I didn't get to see Doctor Strange in IMAX, but whenever it's a big movie like that, I do like to see it in IMAX if I can swing it because it it really does make a difference to the overall experience. That's where you messed up, homie man. You should have seen it in IMAX. Or at least the Dolby. The Dolby Surround yeah, Digital yeah. Theater. That's a good one, too. Whatever happened to the THX, like, you know, and then the little robot come out and he doesn't know what he's doing? Yeah, it, that gives my uh, my middle child panic attacks, so we don't do that anymore. <laughs> it does. I'm not kidding. <laughs> that sucks, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, to hear that. It's awful. <laughs> this week on The Media Files, we're talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. Of madness. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is the newest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stars the once Sorcerer Supreme as he assists a girl with mysterious powers to outrun a foe attempting to end her life. We will avoid major spoilers in this podcast, but suffice it to say that this movie is weird, trippy, and more than anything else, strange. 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness sees the return of Benedict Cumberbatch as the titular character, alongside Benedict Wong, Elizabeth Olsen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Rachel McAdams, Social Gomez, and a few other familiar faces. It was directed by Sam Raimi and released in the United States on May 6th, 2022. I have been... You and I have avoided talking about this because... I've got so many thoughts about it. I know you have a lot of thoughts about it. Like I said, we are going to avoid the major spoilers of this movie. And if you want to go in completely spoiler free, I think that's a noble thing to do. Turn the podcast off now because we can't talk about this movie without talking about the major themes and some of the things that happen in this movie. However, we are not going to give away major plot points, uh, major things that do happen in the movie. We won't give those things away. Sean, I'm going to let you go first. How did you feel about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Well, you saw it first, right? I did. And and going into it, I think this was one of the movies that I missed going to see with Joe the most. Friend of the show, Joe Bubby. Um, absolutely, probably one of the biggest Doctor Strange fans of our group of friends that the we biggest, came up with. The biggest Doctor Strange fan I know. Yeah. And and I wanted to know what he thought. And he liked it, right? And so... He did. When, when you told me about that, I went into the movie Optimistic, which really... I think was the key. You know what I mean? Like going into these MCU movies, if you do what we used to do when we were kids and you were like, oh, they better get this right. They better not mess with this. They better get this, you know, accurate. And it's like, maybe just go in and enjoy it for what it is. Because if you really dial it in, we only spend so much time in the other multiversal dimensions in this movie. We can't go to them all, right? I think that's the point is that... We're going to have another one because you can't go to them all. We see a bunch, but we don't spend a lot of time in a bunch, right? So there's probably some things that some people didn't get that they wanted. But I think overall, I got everything that I wanted and more out of this movie. And I really enjoyed it because in typical Marvel fashion, you either have a bad guy who's just so bad that like you love to hate him. Or you have a bad guy that's pretty like, wah, wah. like it's either Thanos or the ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know what I mean? Like they never have, they never have someone in the middle that you can kind of relate to and love, but still you're like, man, you really suck. You know? And, and I feel like they nailed it with this one. You know, I, I think right off the bat, we have to say the villain in this movie, maybe my favorite villain in a Marvel movie today. I nailed really it. think that they nailed the villain of this movie. And we'll kind of come back to that in a little while yeah. as well. But I th- I think you're spot on there. I do. I do think that that's probably what made the movie as good as I thought it was. So overall, my thoughts are, I really enjoyed it. I thought it moved very well. I thought that there was a lot of things that they did a good job explaining. And then there were other things that you had to be a fan of what they've done the last couple of years with Dr. Strange. I was thinking, just kind of like wrapping up this part of the conversation for me, there's probably not another character in the MCU besides the Hulk that goes through so much transformation of their character arc that's not in their movies. Because the last time we had a Doctor Strange film was his origin story, and then all this stuff happens, and boom, here we are again in his second film. 
and it's like years later. You know what I mean? This is the sixth movie that we've seen Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. We've seen him six other, five other times. Only one of those was a Doctor Strange movie, and that was his origin film. So we've seen him a lot in these other movies. You're right. But he has had a, a very big progression, and I think a lot of that has to do with just how strong he is as a character. This is a movie that, for me, I came out of it liking it, not loving it entirely. But the more that I sit with this movie and the more that I think about it and the more that I kind of digest the things that I saw, the more I think I liked it and the more I want to watch it again. Because I think that this movie offered up a lot of things that we've not seen in other Marvel movies. I think that, like you said, that kind of dimension jumping, and we don't spend a lot of time in all of them, but we get some really cool scenes about different dimensions. I think that we get some really, really good acting performances out of this movie, much higher acting performances than we might expect out of a Marvel film, and I'm speaking specifically about Elizabeth Olsen. I don't think she phoned in a word of her script, and the script is not always great in this movie. There is some very, very <laughs> clunky dialogue. There yeah. are some there are some scenes and lines that I I mean I was rolling my eyes at, but not with Elizabeth Olsen. I think she nailed every frame that she was on that screen. Um Social Gomez, I think, is okay as America Chavez. I think as she ages, we might get some better acting out of her. Wasn't incredibly impressed with her, either as an actress or as a character, to be, yeah, to be honest. 16 years old, though, exactly. man. I mean, she young and, and obviously the role of a lifetime. Listen, man, I'm not able to sit here and criticize someone who's in a major flick at 16 because... At 18, I was in the high school production of Tom Sawyer, and and, and I didn't do that great a job. So I'm not gonna sit. I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and and bag on her because she's got two years under me when I no, became and, a thespian. Yeah, but, and I, know, I don't hey. want to. I don't want to uh, disparage her performance either. <laughs> but but you know when you get really some fantastic actors on screen, namely Benedict Cumberbatch and Shuita Lajofer, who are both good actors, both well acclaimed. Oh, and Elizabeth Glass. Olsen, I think, shines over them in this movie. I think that she actually steals the film in a lot of scenes. Oh there no, this also, was her movie. Well, yeah. and and we're gonna get there. We're I, I want to talk about kind of Elizabeth <laughs> Olsen in a little bit too. I do want to say that we get some really, really good uses of magic in this movie that we haven't seen from Doctor Strange previously. Doctor Strange up to this point has been portals, circle shields of like magic y color, and then a magic whip. And that's the magic that we've seen from him so far. We, yeah, I we, mean, we, we get that here. He can light a fire and stop it from being windy. You we know? get a lot of other really <laughs> interesting uses of magic in this movie, both from Scarlet yeah. Witch and Doctor Strange. Um, the use of reflections, the use of snakes coming out of hands. I mean, there are some very, very neat things that I did like. Some of that didn't sit right with me either. There is a scene with music notes in this movie. I'm not going to spoil it entirely. Everybody seems to love that scene. I thought it was awful. Um, I, I, I was rolling my eyes throughout this scene. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a great idea, just executed poorly. However, talking about that music scene, we do get a very cool musical score in this film, scored by Danny Elfman. 
And I think, and I don't know, and I'd have to really think about this, but this might be my favorite Marvel score in a long time. Danny Elfman really puts his own touch on the Doctor Strange theme, on the Doctor Strange tones that you're used to hearing, and on the Marvel scores that you're used to hearing, but puts it in the Danny Elfman way. And I think that we have a really, really good melding between Danny Elfman's style and composition with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, something I wasn't expecting to love as much as I did, but I thought every track at the back for this movie, really, really good. Like I said, the more I think about this movie, the more I sit with it, the more I really like it and want to watch it again. I agree with you and I'm glad you brought up Danny because what's funny about this movie is not a lot of people realize it's the same team who basically brought you the original Spider-Man back in 2002. So you got Sam Raimi back at the helm directing. Danny Elfman's doing the score just like he did back then. You get a lot of feels for that, but at the same time, it's modern. It's it's MCU, right? Because their styles did not mesh initially. When the MCU films came out, they were a lot more grounded in reality, a lot less fantastical. And this was a great way to bring that team back into the MCU. What better franchise than one that deals specifically with just stuff that is not real? And I loved that. I thought that was the best way to bring them back into the MCU. And what better director than someone who's worked with multiple different iterations of universes of Marvel to bring this to life, right? Because this film does not need that grounded reality-based feel for some of the dimensional places that they go. Well, I think it goes much deeper than that. I, th- I think even outside of the fantastical elements of this movie, which there are plenty, and I think that this movie is, is based much more in fantasy than it ever is in reality, there is a lot of, I mean, very serious horror sensibilities to this movie as well. And when you talk about directors and composers that you want to bring in for a fantasy but horror film, I mean, it's hard to think of somebody better than Sam Raimi to direct and somebody better than Danny Elfman to compose. I mean, this is their wheelhouse, right? Danny Elfman thrives on weird fantasy horror. This is his lifeblood. And, and Sam Raimi, obviously best known for, like you said, directing the original Spider-Man trilogy, but also Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Th- these are his, his, his bread and butter, right? And it did not always work for me. Like I said, some of the Sam, letting Sam Raimi go full Sam Raimi in a big summer blockbuster movie, I think will have some diminishing returns after a while. And I think, like I said, we saw that with the music note scene. However... Directly after the music note scene, and I'm I'm really going to try to avoid spoilers here, we get a scene with Doctor Strange as you've never seen Doctor Strange before. And that scene, I think, is brilliant. It is so weird. It is so strange and over the top. And and if you if you know the scene I'm talking about, it's it's one of the last scenes of the movie. Doctor Strange has and this is a huge spoiler he has wings that it is <laughs> it is absolutely bananas and once it was revealed what was happening i laughed i audibly laughed in the theater because it was so goofy and so right it was it was Raimi, you know at his peak and i absolutely loved what they were able to do there like i said it, it really goes into horror and i thought they 
they very nearly push that envelope between PG-13 and R sometimes. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, if there was any movie in the MCU to have that horror feel, it's got to be a Doctor Strange movie, right? I think what really put it over the top for me was we get back to Elizabeth Olsen, right? If she wasn't the big bad of the film and wasn't like so like the only way to describe her is like a like a a nice evil almost like a very sympathetic evil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you look at her and you're like, okay, I kind of get that. But dang, is that effed up? You know, like everything that she does, you're like. Okay, I see it, but does the end justify the means? I don't right, know. Right. And and that's what makes the movie. Because if you didn't have that, this movie would not be good. I, I'm just gonna be honest. Like it would be a run of the mill, like bottom tier MCU movie. The, her performance in it just totally elevates it for me, and that's why I loved it. Otherwise, you know me, I hate scary movies. Like I'm not, I'm not a fan. I think bringing Scarlet Witch, you know, Wanda back to that kind of making her the witch again, right? Making her where where she originally started as a villain in the MCU and kind of turns around into this heroic character and now is, you know, kind of completing this arc down into depression and madness. Um, There are some very scary parts, and and I think it's driven entirely uh, by... The effects that they use with Wanda, but also her her demeanor. I mean, her facial expressions really drive that. And there is there is one scene again, avoiding major spoilers. There is a scene where her face is covered in oil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought I I kept thinking during this scene, I thought, boy, I bet Raimi really tried to use blood for this scene. It was it was so (laughs) it was so evil dead. It was such an Evil Dead scene that I thought this is. I, I I wonder how hard he pushed to make this blood on her face and not oil. And I, you know what? I kind of wish it was. I think it would have been a much more effective uh, scene in that regard. But I think it probably would have pushed it over to that R rating instead of PG thirteen. Uh, but you brought up a good point about her really being the driving force of this movie and the and the the driving motivation for everything that's going on. And I think it's a a bigger problem that Marvel has had with Doctor Strange for a long time in in comics and in video games and and now in the films is that solo properties for Doctor Strange are often not well received because Doctor Strange is such a powerful character they have a very hard time writing stories for him and making it a compelling story with compelling villains and a compelling arc because of the immense amount of power that he has I think that was my biggest issue with this movie was that Marvel has no idea, and it's clear after this movie, has no idea what to do with Doctor Strange. This is not a Doctor Strange movie overall. This is a movie entirely about Wanda and and America Chavez. Those are the two main characters of this film. Doctor Strange is a side character, and that's how Doctor Strange is played in the comics anyways. He is the seer or the mentor. When, when people need help with something, they go to Stephen Strange. That's exactly what happens in this movie. Even the stakes for Doctor Strange in this movie are very, very low. What we have what we are watching when we watch this movie, even though he's in nearly every scene, we are watching a story take place from a side character's point of view. And I was I was frustrated 
that they weren't able to really make a great story for Doctor Strange. We do mostly have confirmation that there will be a Doctor Strange 3, and hopefully, you know, we're able to drive a a better Doctor Strange-centered story there. But I was really bummed out by just how much they weren't able to focus on Doctor Strange in Doctor Strange's movie. I will say this, and, and this is a hot take. You know me, I throw them out. Let him out. Maybe sometimes I don't even think about it <laughs> as well as I should. Uh, this movie was not supposed to be a Doctor Strange movie. Uh, the only reason why it is a Doctor Strange movie is because they have a tendency to tell all Marvel films from the perspective of a hero. You know, I think I think you're right. I think the name power of Doctor yeah. Strange, and I think the, like you said, the hero, right? They're not going to name this movie America Chavez. Yeah, and they're the also not going to make this... They're not going to make this a movie about the Scarlet Witch where you're supposed to sympathize and root for her just for uh, her right, to exactly. lose. Exactly. Right? I mean, I will say this. The reason why this is a Doctor Strange film is because it finally closes his origin story. And and the reason why it, they didn't do it before is because it's not pertinent enough for the overall movement of the MCU because he's a bridge character. Yes. So now... When we get Doctor Strange 3, it's truly him and his, like, true-to-form really being what he was in the comics. Because that ramp-up period of origin has still been simmering all these years. We see a lot of closure with a lot of the things that were opened in the first film that made him who he is. And now he's, like, moving forward. He's he's totally just 100% in his, his final form so to speak. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think his origin story or the or the threads left open from that are interesting enough to to make a movie about anyhow. And so I, I'm not upset that that wasn't the main focus of the movie. Like I said, I, I am just upset that he becomes a side character in his own film. I, I do think that there's some sloppy writing there. I, I got to say this, you know, I just thought of this. There were multiple times during the movie where someone really needed to double check the script is America okay? Is America going to be okay? We've got to help America. You know, let's let's run somebody through that again one more time. There's a little too much patriotism going through this movie in certain spots. <laughs> but I will say, like I say, gosh, man, it's it's hard to hate this movie, I think. I think this is a really, really good start to our first big summer of movies again after covid I think if, if this is what we have to look forward to this summer, I think we're off to a really, really strong 2022 summer blockbuster. Oh, 100%, man. I agree with you. And and I will say this, and, and this is not intended to be uh, contradictory or, or argumentative in, in the least. Okay, Do it! But I think that this movie deserves a little bit more credit than it's getting. And and I and I think that the hard part is is that people have become accustomed to certain standards in MCU films and this was meant to be outside of those standards. So if you're going to go see the movie, you need to go in with an open perspective that it is meant to push the envelope and the barriers and grow the universe. That's the whole purpose of this film. Just like the whole purpose of Ant-Man and the Wasp was to introduce, um, what, what is the, the small town? What is that little place? The, oh, the realm. Uh, the- 
quantum realm. The quantum realm, okay? <laughs> it's, it's just meant to explode the MCU, to provide new avenues to go down, because they can't have Loki do that alone. The TV show can't do that alone. There has to be multiple experiences with the multiverse and with everything growing in different paths to introduce the next big bad Kang the Conqueror. So now we've laid the foundation. If we didn't have Loki and we didn't have multiverse and madness, you would not be as invested or knowledgeable in why Kang is so threatening and evil and bad and why people need to band together again. And I think that's that is the secret sauce to MCU movies is they give you an overarching reason why these people need to come together why they should exist in the same film and how they play off each other and they're actually important. And it gives lesser characters value. Well, everything we talk about on the Media Files, we do give a very stupid and utterly arbitrary rating to. Sean, how do you arbitrarily rate Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? All right, man. I'm going to piss you off. It's the only reason why I come on the show is just to grind your gears, rattle your cage. Out of all the Sam Raimi films pertaining to superheroes of the Marvel intellectual property... I think that this is the ancient number one. Ooh, you think this is the best one, huh? Yeah, I do. I do. I, like I, I don't I don't know why. I just feel like it's a lot more thought-provoking and fun, and I really enjoyed the villain a lot more than the other Spider-Man films that he's done, and it's a great way to bring him back into the fold, baby. Welcome home. I will rate Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness as a happy Mother's Day. <laughs> this is, you know what? Comes out on Mother's Day weekend. I can't wait. I can't wait for you to tell me why. This is a Mother's Day movie, man. It came out on Mother's Day weekend. Listen, listen, listen. It came out on Mother's Day weekend. The very central plot of this movie has to do with motherhood. Sure, sure. Which there is a great line about motherhood in this movie. I thought it was the best line in the film. And Multiverse of Madness, M-O-M. That's how it's going to be abbreviated. Yeah, yeah. you, you really did it. <laughs> this is a Mother's Day movie, my man. This is a movie about moms. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. <laughs> When you said it, I took it the other way, and I'm not trying to be rude, but like, you know how Mother's Day is like a like a C tier holiday on the calendar of holidays, yeah, it's, you know? It's the, B, it's the B minus holiday, yeah. yeah and nobody were, gets work off for it. I thought that's where you were going. No, I think that this is a Mother's Day movie. What? I I can't even think of another Mother's Day movie. This is a Mother's Day movie. I can't, yeah, man. It's and maybe I you mean, know what. Maybe Thor Love and Thunder will be a really good uh, Valentine's movie, even though it's not Valentine's. Yeah, well, that comes out 4th of July weekend, or around there at least. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's think the Summer Fling movie, you know what I mean? Like, it's, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go, the Summer Fling. I already got my arbitrary rating for that movie. Boom, baby. Boom. What, what, is, what is that, uh, like the closest thing that the MCU's ever had to Dirty Dancing? Ooh, gosh. It, Dirty Dancing is so good. I haven't like Hems you know Hemsworth is the modern day Swayze. Is that where we're going with? You know what? I speaking of Dirty Dancing in eighties movies, Lindsay has never watched Top Gun the original. Well, don't let her because that volleyball scene changes lives. It's gonna change your life. I I just found <laughs> out that she's never seen it, which is like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I because I, I want to go see the new one. It comes out later this month, but I can't now. Because she's never seen Top Gun. She's never seen it. It's on Netflix. We'll probably catch it. You should do what I did, man. Just just go to the movie by yourself. You know, go on to Discount Tuesday. There you make go. Make up the difference by getting an extra large cherry Coke and 
then he go to the bathroom halfway through the movie and miss the most important part. You know, like, like you that's the Sean, the Sean, pull the Sean, you know? Well, if I go see Top Gun Maverick, we'll probably talk about it on here, but that's all the time we got for this week. I want to thank you for sticking around to the end of this episode of The Media Files, and thank you again, Sean, for being here this week. My pleasure, Dar. Thanks for having me. Y'all be the good. Media Files, <laughs> the Media Files is provided by RPGera.com. Technical assistance is provided by Brian, and the producers are Jacksack and Zanku. I'm on Instagram at Brewstuff. That's at B-R-U-C-E-T-O-P-H. Or at the RPG Era Discord with the link in the show description. Reach out to us with what you're looking forward to. And until next time, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Oh yeah.